Las Vegas, good or evil? I like Vegas. Okay. I say good. Uh, <laughs> it, we have great memories now. When we came here in 2020, 42 days away from my family, we stayed out in the lakeside Las Vegas Hilton, which 13 miles from the Strip, so our kids couldn't get there. Uber or Lyft would come. They'd call me and say, Coach, is one of your guys trying to leave? Never was. <laughs> so, I mean, we were on an island out there if, if there's an island in Vegas. If you're responsible, Vegas is good. Yep. If you're a knucklehead, Vegas is evil. The thing that I'm not a big fan of is the smell of marijuana on the streets. Uh, That's a personal choice by me, but it's out there. It's time for Cofield and Company's UNLV football opponent preview. Let's break down UNLV versus New Mexico. Yeah, Lobo's come to town on September 30th. That was Danny Gonzalez, the head coach. Doesn't like the weed smell around Vegas. We'll get into that. But we were very hospitable. Remember how ridiculous last year? Or check that. A couple of years ago was for New Mexico. And I was actually, I was wildly impressed with them because from a, they won a couple of games, but from a betting standpoint. You were very bullish going into last year, if I remember. Oh, I was because they went four and three against the spread in those last seven, like in that season, and they looked really competitive despite practicing in ballrooms. It was, it was ridiculous. J.J. Buck covers the Albuquerque scene. He's on sports radio there. Gives uh, Cofield and company a couple minutes as we talk a little Lobos football in the game coming up in September here at Allegiant Stadium. J.J., how you doing, buddy? Uh, what did you do, gentlemen? So, first of all, give us your impression now. I mean, it's been a couple of years, and, uh, you know, he's he's a Lobo through and through. Uh, what do you think of Danny Gonzalez? Well, this team, the honeymoon has worn off. Fans are ready to see this team take a step forward. You mentioned 2020, which, you know, the team moved to Las Vegas, all the issues there. So I think that it gave them a bit of a buffer, and now they want to start seeing improvement. They kind of started to pass by test defensively. You'd expect that with Rocky Longback running the defense, but now the fans are ready to see this team be competitive on both sides of the football. What went wrong last year? The offensive line was terrible. Um, it's one of the worst offensive lines you've seen in a long time at the University of New Mexico, and then they had the worst luck at the quarterback position. They went through four quarterbacks. Uh, Isaiah Chavez, QB5, he became a legend at the end of 2020, picking up those two victories. But he's a walk-on. He's a local kid. People love him. But he's not the guy that's going to carry this program to the next level. And we're down to QB5. He had a bad offensive line. They averaged 12 points per game. And you playing football like that, it doesn't matter if you're improving defensively. It doesn't matter if Rocky Long's in town. You don't have a shot. I was curious so about that quarterback position. Then you mentioned the number right after the four guys starting the 12 games, five guys attempted a pass for them. What does the quarterback position look like coming into this year? You mentioned Chavez, the Kansas transfer, Miles Kendrick, if I believe his name is. Uh, what is this going to look like as we head into th- uh, 2022? Right now, early in camp, two guys are emerging. It is C.J. Montez, a redshirt freshman who played a little bit last year, and a JUCO transfer from California, sophomore Justin Holiday. Those two guys have really taken the lead. I think the team is – hoping to be able to put their chips behind C.J. Montez. They like his overall uh, ceiling. You know, he's, he's a pocket passer guy, but he has athletic ability. It's kind of the same thing for Justin Holiday because it's a Derek Warheim offense too. He is in his third season, so they're trying to keep that consistency with the play calling. It's a lot of shotgun, um, but it's very multiple. They're going to run the football a lot, but it, it's Montez and Holiday right now, the two guys that are kind of pulling away, even from Miles Kendrick, the senior transfer. He broke his leg back in spring so he's still trying to come back from that but Saturday will be a big step because that'll be their first scrimmage in fall practice can I just say Steve so you and I were laughing about like the the thought of the nation for UNLV's quarterback situation is Tennessee transfer Harrison Bailey and you know maybe it's not going to be that as you get into the season I named two guys 
all the way out here in Las Vegas. I've been researching New Mexico, and JJ's like, no, nah, neither one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to keep track of, especially yeah. with you know quarterback battles. I mean, we were talking about UNLV as a three-headed quarterback battle, and the coach Marcus Arroyo is not you know giving any clarity in terms of who's leading right now. Um, I wanted to ask. I asked this of Danny Gonzalez, and of course, as a coach, he he said confidently, "Yes, I believe in it." What do you, as a media member, think of, and what do Lobo fans think of continuing to move forward with an option offense? I was a fan of the option offense. Um, you know, fans. It doesn't matter if even if something's successful, if it feels like it's starting to hit a ceiling, they're going to lose their mind. This team, when they were running the option offense, they had elite athletes. They had guys that actually had. Dip their toes into that NFL water. They led the entire nation in rushing. Like, that was a positive. There were wild games, and I think that's what was frustrating the fans in the years they were running the option offense. They were winning games like 45 40, but they won games. They were bowl eligible in back to back seasons. So I had zero problem with the, what the Lobos are doing. But then Bob Davey in the last couple of years started to go away from that program, tanked, and now they're just trying to be a traditional shotgun offense and that's the major question is do they have the talent it's not just they have to get the offensive line and quarterback position right but there's a lot of question marks this team has explosive players on the offensive side of football well and then they also ran into bad luck in the offseason because one of the guys who actually did a pretty good job in the game against UNLV was uh Aaron Dumas and he transferred out right yeah he he ended up in Washington um so he took that step up (laughs) to Power 5, um, but they're looking at Nate Jones. Um, they're really excited to have him in. He's one of those guys that does pop. You know, when you're watching practice out there, you say, all right, that guy just has the different athletic ability you want to see trying to find that explosive playmaker. He, he had some off-the-field issues last year, so it kind of turned into a redshirt season, earned his way back on the team. And so they're circling him in the backfield as, all right, often's going to start here with the sophomore, Nate Jones, and then – at this point in time for the Lobos, like, give me, I know it's a 12-game season, but just give me, like, even 10 games, decent offensive line play, decent quarterback play, and let's see what can happen. When you looked at the schedule, the 2022 schedule, how many winnable games do you see? I think best case, they, they got to start 2-2 two and two in the month of September. They got Maine, Boise State, UTEP at home, pick off the FCS opponent, a tough game against UTEP because everyone circles New Mexico as, you know, this is the game they have to get on their schedule. And then they wrap up September at LSU, their money game. So if they come out two and two, you're heading to Las Vegas, you know, Rebels are saying the same thing. Got to get this game against New Mexico because you have that stretch. UNLV, Wyoming at New Mexico State. And the Lobos oddly have been good against Wyoming the last year winning those games. They have to come out of there three, four wins to show some improvement because they're back into the schedule. It's Fresno State, Utah State, Air Force, San Diego State, and a Colorado State team that has beat New Mexico 11 straight years. Amazing. J.J. Buck, yeah. Sports Animal, morning host in Albuquerque, breaking down a little Lobo football. As you just mentioned, Rebels will host the Lobos on September 30th. That's an 8 o'clock start. That will be on CBS Sports Network. When you look around the Mountain West Conference, who do you think – is the best football team this year? Best, so I think it's going to be Fresno State. I, I think bringing Jeff Tedford back, having Jake Hayner, um, there's not going to be a big drop-off offensively. I think that's going to be a fantastic battle between Fresno State and, and San Diego State. And I think in the Mountain Division, um, Utah State, it, they're a wonderful story last year. You know, Logan Bonner's kind of got that swag, but 
I think we'll see a much improved Boise State team, but I think Fresno State will edge out everyone in the conference this season. I think the fascinating squad, just because I, they'll, they'll be able to play offense and there's going to be a renewed energy, is Colorado State. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Jay Norvell, he, I know we don't expect to see that in-conference stuff, but, man, he, he, he's a guy that I thought was going to get a power five job opportunity for sure at some point, but he goes to Colorado State, everything's set up there. He can bring in you know, the talent with that base, and I'm with you. I think Colorado State's going to be good a lot quicker than people expect. So it's funny. Every time I road trip to Albuquerque, people here in Vegas are like, oh, Albuquerque, and I'm like, yeah, Albuquerque actually is pretty cool. There's a lot of cool places. But I will admit I am a complete idiot uh, because when I go there, I will text especially or tweet, whatever, DM, um, Jeff Grammer, right? You know Jeff from the Albuquerque Journal. And I always ask for, like, local flavor, and I swear I always wind up at that place, uh, Ojos Locos. <laughs> yeah. Right. You can, Good name. So it's definitely a place you can get in a little trouble. And well, Albuquerque, well, there's a lot of places like that, though. So. Yeah, it's basically uh, kind of a Latino <laughs> Hooters, but better. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but we have one coming to Las Vegas, to North Las Vegas. They're, uh, they're renovating a place up on, uh, for our locals, I think up on Craig Road. So um, I'm very excited. And if the salespeople are listening, if you're looking for a place for me to pitch, yeah. That, that might that might be the place. JJ, when's the last time you've been in Vegas? Uh, media days. Oh, you were here? Okay. Uh, media days. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you smell weed on the street? You know, it, it, you know, to each their own. You smell a little bit of weed. You keep moving on. It is legal in the state of New Mexico now as well. So I, I, I think Danny, you know, he's the stay up the weed type of guy, but <laughs> it was not that bad. Well, we're glad things are going well for you. Um, you got any long-range predictions on uh, how much better New Mexico basketball could be? New Mexico basketball, this is the year for them. Top four finish. No excuses. Really? The transfers that they brought in, you got the backcourt, Small Mashburn and Jalen House locked down. You got two four-year starters in the front court. Morris Udesi coming over from Wichita State. Josiah Olick. Uh, from UMKC, a stretch for this is the year that the Lobos have to show it on the court. This should be a top four basketball team in the Mountain West. All right. I like the enthusiasm. All right, JJ, I hope you see or uh, we see you here in September. Uh, thanks for coming on and uh, giving us a preview of the Lobos. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Yeah, the basketball team in New Mexico, Richard Bertino was kind of dealt, you know, a, a, a pretty severe rebuilding project, but he did get Mashburn to come down who I thought was up and down last year. Um, their yeah. point guard's awesome. Very good. And Udeze, I think, was actually down to UNLV and New Mexico. So if he turns out to be you know, a really good player, he was about an 8 and eh, maybe a 10 and 6 guy at Wichita. And uh, he was a pain in the ass when the Rebels played Wichita last year at, uh, at the Fortress. But if he turns out to be a guy that they can't guard, I think they will be able to because the Rebels are pretty big. But that would, that would sting. That or that that or if I'm a Rebels fan, that would irk me, that uh, they lost out to New freaking New Mexico for a Desi, who's like six eight two fifty. New Mexico basketball and football has some intriguing stuff. I think about both of them. The football program itself too, defensively, they got some got real a, strength. They've, they've got great history. They've yeah. just, you know, like UNLV, you you uh, you get into these runs, and the you know it's been an extended run here for UNLV. There is no reason New Mexico basketball can't win. Right, and, I, and I've always said it. The, um, there are good fan bases at several spots around the Mountain West, but consistently their their men's and women's basketball fans are lunatics. There is nothing like the early games of the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Yep. 
and seeing the entire Thomas and Mac covered in not Rebel Red, but New Mexico Red. It's no, ridiculous. If they're decent, they'll they'll travel six, eight thousand here. Yep. And football will pick back up. And and keep in mind we he kind of mentioned it in there. Um, it's a really interesting nugget the way they built the staff. Gonzalez went and got Rocky Long to come back, who was the head coach and you know, wildly successful there just to run the defense. So their defense was pretty good when I, you know, when I got to see him up close when I, when I was down there for that game in Albuquerque. They just, he's right. Their old line, it was, it was like a sieve. Well, and so that's one of the things that I'm really excited about for New Mexico. If you look at some of their more production, productive guys last year, they were pretty young, especially their linebacking core. And essentially their entire linebacking core turned safe for one guy. And not only do you have Rocky Long calling plays, we have Danny Gonzalez, a former defensive coordinator. Should be some real growth on that side of the ball. I was actually impressed with their stadium. I thought they had a, a nice, really? nice facility. The pit has been redone. It's been shrunk down. Um, speaking of facilities, we got to get to this on the way back. When I read this yesterday about the Chicago Bears and the condition of the field at Soldier Field, this is friggin' embarrassing. Like, listen, the Raiders finally rid of themselves of the hellhole that is the Coliseum. Soldier Field, which was redesigned like 23 years ago, is now like the Oakland Coliseum, this is embarrassing. Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Boy, weird stuff developing today. We'll get to the Deshaun Watson news. Now the Deshaun Watson camp may be trying to negotiate the new penalty. Uh, also... A big-time basketball coach in college basketball is taking a swipe at his football program. I don't get that one at all. Giveaway time, though. Caller 6 and 7. Two pairs of two tickets. Rob Zombie with Mudvayne and Powerman 5000. Saturday show, Mick Ultra Arena. Grab your own tickets at AXS.com. We've got multiple pairs of tickets right now. Ari will hook you up. 364-1100-364-1100. Caller 6 and 7. All right, frenzy time. John Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. Here is Silver Sevens. Happy hour still going on. 277 on beers, margaritas, and shots. Jimmy White retired. James White. Specialist, but came up big in several spots. Dunsky in the NFL. Patriot. Yeah. You sent over a weird note. About people being lazy. I didn't get this one. What were you talking about? Okay, so you mentioned, I mean, pretty good player, right? Uh, and some pretty big performances. 14 catches, 110 yards, three touchdowns. Does that stat line ring a bell? Read it one more time. 14 catches, 110 total yards, three touchdowns. Okay. Does that sound like pretty good? Yeah. Sounds like a very valuable performance to a team in a win. Sure. Maybe a comeback from down 28-3 yes. in the Super Bowl and not winning MVP. Right. That was my point, was just, if you think of James White in any sense, right. it's just remember, he had a great career. People are idiots. And he did not win Super Bowl MVP despite that performance. That's well, what he should be remembered for forever. Why? Because Tom Brady won. Right. Because generally quarterbacks, and especially legendary quarterbacks and those who were called goats, get a little edge. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Tom Brady has two Super Bowl MVPs. One... We just mentioned a 110-yard, 14-catch, three-touchdown performance for his running back. The other, a game-sealing interception by his corner. He won. He won MVP in both games. It's a good point. Never forget James White. <laughs> That's his legacy. So in Chicago, 
We were just talking about how bad the, the field was, the stadium was, the conditions were at Oakland Coliseum. You remember when the Raiders played there, you know, there'd always be this war about who controls the field. So the place would just be a dump because the A's were still playing. So you got the infield, potential injuries. Boy, it is not that long ago that they redesigned Soldier Field. And, of course, now they want a new stadium because they did it so poorly. I could not believe this note when I saw it. That Cairo Santos tries to replicate the awful field in Chicago by doing what? He's a kicker. What does he do in the offseason? He goes to public parks out in Florida and practices because the grass is so bad. It replicates everything he's going to see at Soldier Field. Also, how is it possible that an NFL field could be that bad? I have no idea. And, like, here's the thing. You, know, you read some reports about this because it's a well-known thing about the Bears and Chicago and, and Soldier Field. Like, some say that they do it on purpose to give them an advantage. Doesn't really give them that much of an advantage because they haven't been that great over the last few years. No. And if you see pictures, this is from just a couple of days ago. One of their beat writers tweeted out a picture of them practicing out at Soldier Field. It's a nightmare. There's, like, lines of dead grass already. It's, Already? It's August. Yes. Look at this picture. Oh, boy. That's terrible. And it's August. And you see it all the time when you watch those games. And those games, they're low scoring. They're sloppy. And that's the other thing, too, is there's this thought that the Bears are always a solid defensive team, right? No, it's just that their field sucks. And so teams can't really perform very well. So, yeah, there's been some good defensive teams for the Bears. But they kind of do this on purpose. It's to the point where it's actually hurting them. Their kicker has to go to public parks to practice. What a broken organization. It, it's bad. And you think about – I think I brought this up when I was with you last time. Tevin Jenkins, their second-round rookie for, or second-round pick from last year. He was a rookie last year. Requesting out. Roquan Smith doesn't want any part of it. Former Colts defensive coordinator, now head coach Matt Eberfuss. It's not great so far, man. Not great. Did he make a mistake? In taking that job? I think so. Because I think at this point, they're, they, and I think they might be taking the right path, they need to just blow it up, like everything. Get as many assets as possible. The problem is what they did with Justin Fields doesn't match their current trajectory. Justin Fields is being hung out too dry. They did nothing to help him along the offensive line. He's barely got any dynamic offensive weapons. So he's going to go into this year, get absolutely destroyed, and we're going to come out of this thinking like, ah, he's not a good quarterback, and they might spend a high pick on a good quarterback class and Fields might get his career screwed over because of the way the Bears are handling this thing. Big injury the other day with the Jets. Man, it sucks. Mekhi Becton, supposed to be the left tackle, was already told, all right, right tackle time. He's the guy who toggles between, he's always 6'7", but he's 6'7", 375, or he's 6'7", 425. And you're gonna say like 350. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. What do you think I was gonna go down? No, yeah. no. 375 is him in shape. He's a mo- he's a monstrous human being. They and they knew it when they got him. Which, you know, when you hear on draft day, well, motivation and weight issues. Like, okay, how is he a top 15 pick? That it so bothered me. And now he's. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it bad luck. I don't think the fact that he's carrying so much weight jacked up his kneecap, but he's out for the year. This is interesting. Because not only did they sign Dwayne Brown, who, of course, went from, let me get this right. Am I going in the right direction? Texans to the Seahawks, right? I think I have that right. Because the Texans got mad at him because he was speaking up on social issues and then quietly were like, get out. Uh, Or do I have it the other way? No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was available. Not only did the Jets sign him, they actually signed him two years to $22 million. I didn't see the guaranteed money. 
Will this work? I mean, did you look at the Jets as dead in the water once Becton went down? It's only one player. Oh, I don't. I didn't think so at all. I mean, if you looked at overall, I thought they did a really good job in adding pieces around Zach Wilson that included along the offensive line to kind of give them the best shot at it at this point right now. So I would say, well, that really sucks. Because I thought what sucked about it was there was a really good chance that their offensive line was going to be like kind of a strength if Becton came back healthy it was going to be solid, at least at like three out of the five positions. And now, you know, you have a question, but Dwayne Brown in this past have been a pretty good player. But that for me, like I don't think they're dead in the water. I don't think it really changes much other than saying, hey, man, we did a really good job building this thing up, and now that's kind of a downer that one of the pieces we expected to be back here is not back. The other day after the injury was announced that Becton down for the year, uh, Brandon Tierney, one of our buddies who does New York radio, it's over. very, very fiery. It's over. He's, no, no, no. He took the opposite tact. Okay. He tweeted out, quit the pity party, Jets fans. Plenty of talent on the roster. Plenty of time to stabilize the offensive line. Injuries happen. Think like a winner, not a fatalist. All right. He did not like my take two years ago when I said the uh, Jets, and now I'm blanking on who the hell they beat. Was They beat the Rams, right? The year that they blew the Trevor Lawrence pick. Oh, yeah. And I, and I literally cried that day. I got misty-eyed at home. I'm like, we're not getting Trevor Lawrence. Uh, when I had him on a, a couple of weeks after that, I was like, that is one of the most significant wins. Mm-hmm. But it's really a loss in Jets history. And he's, he was just not at all with the whole tank thing. So we'll see how it turns out. It could turn out that both Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are not good. Right. I mean, I don't know. I read a report that I think Wilson went 11 of like 17 in practice the other day. Looking good. Mm-hmm. Looking good. Okay. Now, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence? Looking good. Everybody's looking good at training camp. I mean, Logic could tell you, as, as hyped as he was, and the fact that I cried that the Jets weren't going to get him, um, the Jaguars, with a good coach, should be much improved this year. Like, expectations should be. If you're, if you're a good number one pick, and the talk of Lawrence was a generational quarterback at number one. Andrew Luck, John Elway, yeah. Year, year two, you should be able to at least win you know, seven games. I mean, last year he at had, least. He had no chance. With Urban Meyer. That was a that was an L across the board for the entire organization and him from the get-go. What are you talking about? Urban Meyer was going to go in. They were going to average 250 yards passing and 250 yards rushing. Brutal. Per game, right? That was the benchmark. 500 yards a game. Brutal. <laughs> Balanced offense. I would agree that replacing Urban Meyer gives you like plus one, one and a half wins from a season ago just from a coaching environment standpoint. And it's an offensive-friendly system at Peterson. I, I'd expect a, an increase in terms of – potential with the Jaguars. I don't know about winning at least seven games. One more uh, crunch, crunch of the pass. <laughs> Giants and Pats have started. Yes. Did you have anything on this game? It was Giants three. Anything? No. Uh, and this is, there was a flip of favorites. The, the Patriots were initially opening uh, opened as the favorites here. But when news came out, we weren't going to see Mac Jones. There's going to be Brian Hoyer and Bailey Zappi. And the Giants were actually going to start their guys for a little bit, which we've seen up to this point. Closed three. I didn't have anything other than being very disappointed. Did you see the pictures and practice of Bailey Zappi? So he'd been rocking like a 55, his jersey. And I was really looking forward to a quarterback coming out and like rocking 55 to play a preseason game. He's wearing like number four. I'm very disappointed. That would have been a mind screw. It would have been great. It's tough to adjust to that. Uh, more giveaways. Let's give away tickets. Uh, football. 
we got football in town on Saturday. Dollar Loan Center, Henderson, AXS.com is where you can grab your tickets. we got two right now to the Northern Arizona Quad City, the championship of the world in IFL. Awesome event on the way. Indoor football. Again, you can grab tickets at AXS.com. Ari's got a pair right now. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Oh, honey, though our friendship ceased it from now on. And listen, if you can't say anything real nice, it's better not to talk at all. That's my advice. We're parting. You go your way. I'll go mine. It's best that we do. Here's a kiss. I hope that this brings lots of luck to you. And it makes no difference how I carry on. Just remember that you can't talk about right. me when I'm gone. All right, rolling on. Silver Sevens just past the halfway point. Ari back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Jed's helping out out here. JBT and Cofield. Today, uh, Raiders practice was kind of fun. We got to watch us, you know, good portion of practice. Some of the drills. It was good stuff. It was a lot of good stuff. It was hot out there. You know, every time you go out to these practices, you get a respect for, you know, how guys have to prep in Las Vegas, both Raiders football and UNLV football. And then there's some lighter moments during the press conference. So, Malcolm Kuntz came in. He's the second-year player out of Buffalo. Who else went to Buffalo? Khalil Mack. Right? So, the Gruden-Mayock team thought, hey, you know what? Maybe we can strike twice. On a pass rusher from Buffalo? You know who else is from upstate New York? The Jones family. John Jones, former UFC champion. He's got a brother who's out of football who played defensive tackle with the Colts. And Chandler Jones, who's now on the Raiders. So some folks during the media session were uh, asking about upstate New York, right? And a food item came up. I thought this was pretty interesting. Who's going to jump on the food items? Because uh, you know, he's kind of the inventor of the fat pack. One, Adam Hill. So when Malcolm Kuntz was talking about upstate New York, and Kuntz is actually from originally closer to New York City, um, he mentioned Rochester, and I'd never heard of this thing. He mentioned something called the garbage plate. So Adam Hill tried to follow up on what the garbage plate is. Pretty crazy. But have you found any place that has anything like it? Well, I'm going to be truthful. I've never had it. I just heard about it. So I don't really, it's like, what is it? Like potatoes. It's like macaroni salad. Yeah. Hot dogs. Like, oh. And you put like ketchup all over it. So I'm, I'm still trying to have it. I've been in, I've been in Rochester a few times and every time just something happens. I can't, I, I couldn't get it. So any clue? Nothing. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. I'm cheating. It's okay. Interesting. It is a mess. Kind of down with it though. Looks pretty good. Yeah, I tweeted about it earlier because, like you, I had to look it up. This is definitely a late-night, you're annihilated meal right? to try to sop everything up. Choice of cheeseburger, hamburger, Italian sausage, steak, chicken, white, red hots. Served on top of any combination of home fries, french fries, baked beans, and our macaroni salad. Plate is usually topped with hot sauce. Yeah, I'm in. Sounds great. I think I'm in, too. Yeah. The visual, though, if you go to my Twitter account, it's not It's not a pretty picture. Oh, I got to look And it's... Aptly served on a paper plate. Yeah, I get worried about that. I have styrofoam plates at home, too. 
It if doesn't look like, like the right like the paper plate does not look like it would hold up with this thing. Right. Definitely not styrofoam. You got to go thick. It looks heavy. I'm kind of down with this though. Yeah, the way I read it, because I know you just read some of the ingredients. You got to pick two base items: it's home fries or pasta salad, or baked beans, or mac and cheese, or French fries, and you top it with. Grilled red hots or hot dogs or cheeseburgers or eggs or fish. Man. And to finish it off with meat sauce, onions, and bright yellow mustard. Can I tell you? That is a cornucopia of goodness. So I can count on one hand the times I've had like a red hot. They're incredible. I don't have them enough. So why don't you have more? I don't know. It's like one of those things where I think I'm holding on to the memory of having it for the first time. And I loved it so much that I don't want to like ruin that memory and go get it again. It was on a beach in San Diego. <laughs> you remember? I remember fondly. Wow. Isabel's dad, we, we went out to Camp Pendleton. We did a mud run. And Isabel's dad, uh, my wife, had, was making hot dogs. And, you know, they had, they had a pack of Red Hots. I was like, oh, we try that. Incredible. Had so three you, of them. So you remember where you had your last Red Hot? The first one and last, yeah. What do, you, what do you actually remember about your first date with your wife? Oh, everything. Oh, you do? Okay. I, was I, got, hoping, I, was, I got a pretty good memory. I was hoping to be like, man, I, you're stumping me. I got no idea. No, I got a pretty good memory. I think that's like, obviously, I'm, I love my wife, and, you know, it's, it doesn't more come from, like, the sappy love thing. It's just I remember a lot of stuff. Like, I see these videos of, like, these man-on-the-street stuff where it's like, what's your wife's birthday? And I'm like, how do you not know that? Like, that's an easy thing to remember. So, yes, I remember. Do you want to know where we had our first date? Sure. Yes. I can't remember the wall. Uh, oh, sorry. Fashion show. I was going to say Galleria. Did you really blank? No, I thought that it was, was awesome. Galleria. The first. pressure of live radio. No, fashion show. Uh, fashion show mall. Took her there. Went to the California Pizza Kitchen in there. Uh, she accidentally, actually, she tried to put red hot chili, you know, the chili flakes on her pizza, but she took the top off and poured too many. So it was way too oh, hot. Oh, wow. After that, we went to uh, Cold Stone on uh, Fort Apache and Sahara. That was pretty detailed. Yeah. Really detailed. Let's talk about Chandler Jones and Malcolm Kuntz's relationship. Uh, what is Malcolm? What has Malcolm Kuntz learned from the veteran Chandler Jones? It's cool to see, like, because he's been in the league to me. It feels like forever. So it's like it's cool to pick his brain. It's just like little things that I don't notice. He'd be like, "Nah, if you just tweak this a little bit, it'll it'll work like way better than it did." So and stuff like that happens all the time. But it happens like that with like everybody else in the room, like Max, Deshaun, Gary, everybody in the room. Everyone gets a shout out. Everyone's helping each other. That's good. Yeah. Sounds like the team has good chemistry. Things are always kind of good. Like the Lions, it feels real good right now. And everyone's yelling and crying, you know, until the losses start happening. And then everyone's going to be yelling and crying. Right. I agree with Adam Hill on the crying thing, by the way. Overdone? A little bit. It, it is very much overdone. Even though I, like, I would get inspired by the speech, you can't do it all the time. Company's eye on sports betting with Brad Powers. All right, let's do it. Brad Powers, Brad Powers, seven up on Twitter, BradPowerSports.com. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Excellent. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Are you and Fezzik okay today? Just I feel like there's so much jockeying and sparring, and we love both of you guys, and I just want this to work out. Ah, oh, yeah, we're all good. I just, okay. you know. He gets in his moods. You know how he is, and I just—I'm there to correct, you no know, correct course. You got—you got to drag him back to reality. I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Drag I him saw. back in, or or other way, drag him into the deep water, and you know, drown yep. him. Like uh, that seems to be a favorite phrase among coaches these days. Sure, take take, take him out to the deep water and teach him a lesson. I saw that. Uh, I saw last week there was good chatter about uh, him and uh, betting down at the South Point and a rivalry, and I was like, man, I'm here for this one. I like this. 
Yeah, so, I mean, if you don't know and you're listening, I mean, Fez is banned from betting at the South Point. I think it was what finally did it was him doing some parlay cards. Uh, It wasn't for that much, but they just had enough at that point. It was a couple years ago. They had enough. Well, I mean, it is. It is. We laugh about it. It is one of the bigger challenges of you guys, the pros. Um, you know, to get money down and, uh, it, and at the at the highest level, you guys are really pushing them to the brink. Versus us, you know, I'm a square, so they're not worried about me. So um, it, it is one of the. It's been going on for a long time, and it is one of the developing things as more books come on board. Certainly, it is, and you know, uh, I'm kind of wink, wink joking about it but i mean in a lot of other areas i mean outside of vegas it's a serious problem and there's stories that come out each week on a lot of shadiness not not always on the guy doing the betting but from the actual book especially with this new day and age of legalization it's something that uh you know getting banned has always been and 86 has always been out there but uh you know, to, to the extent that some of the newer books are doing it, it kind of, uh, I, I think it's bad on the, their part. And I'm glad a lot of people are taking to Twitter and social media and really getting after some of the books on it. I don't know. I love being limited to $13.13 on an NBA future for most improved player of the year. It's, it's Is that right? That happened? <laughs> yeah. Who was that on? Uh, Darius Garland. It didn't even, obviously didn't even end up winning, but right, yeah, it was, right. uh, that's what happened to me. <laughs> no, Brett, so I'm curious, like kind of along this path, so like Circa, for example, I hear has done a great job in terms of taking all comers, action, limits are great for your betters like yourself. But do you find, and they open up Sundays, they open up college football lines every single week, but I'm always curious – at shopping at a, a book like that where a lot of sharp bettors like yourself flock to, can you really take advantage of those lines where there's so many sharp people like yourself beating up those numbers? Uh, it depends uh, on your market entry. You know, when are you, getting, yeah. you, when are you getting in? Are you betting openers? I mean, in that instance, it's me versus Matt Metcalf. Matt, 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 I can't even talk. Matt <laughs> Metcalf and the boys there at Circa. If I wait a little bit, then obviously I'm competing against other guys like myself. So, I will say it is tougher to beat Circa than a lot of other books out there. They tend to be a little bit sharper, even though they welcome everybody. I will say that. Brad Powers with us at Brad Power Seven on Twitter. He's our college football expert. All right, uh, one of my favorite accounts. It's I, it's really a troll account. Is this account Big Game Boomer? But they put out stuff about college football. <laughs> Every day, and they do state by state, and uh, they really, you know, ruffle some feathers. They actually had uh, yesterday put something out that the the floor and the ceiling for UNLV football was 0 and 12 or 2 and 10. I think that might be a little bit off, and uh, I was going to tweet at Boom to uh, get some money down because the UNLV win total actually has gone up a little bit. So if he thinks their their ceiling is two, he's got great value on the under. But he was hammering on a couple of programs because of their quarterback play. Uh, do you agree with either one of these that they could have underwhelming seasons because of QB play? One was Texas A&M, one was Notre Dame. Uh, I, I could see Notre Dame maybe underwhelming, uh, especially compared to fan expectations because they've won at least 10 games every year for the last five years. I'm not sure if they get there this season. So uh, it's certainly a question mark. you got a guy by the name of Tyler Buckner that really only played one full season of football in the last three-plus years dating back to high school. So, He's certainly an unknown, even though he's very talented. I probably have a little bit more uh, optimism with Texas A&M, no matter who the starter ends up being, uh, whether it's the LSU transfer, Max Johnson, or it's Haynes King or whatnot. I actually think there'll be better production. And 
you know, I bet Texas A&M over their win total over eight and a half. So I'm I'm hoping that they're not same old eight and four Texas A&M this year. I was going to say with Texas A&M, it's it's kind of more of like a product of their offensive system. Wouldn't it be more than quarterback play? It seems somewhat bland when you watch them. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. Jimbo, as good of a recruiter and snake oil salesman that he is, uh, I'm not sure that the you know offensive. Uh, game plans uh, are on the up and up as far as uh, 22 uh, offensive college football. Now, maybe it was okay 10, 12 years ago, but uh, I, I know the guys that follow the X's and O's and that I respect don't respect Jimbo Fisher when it comes to offensive play calling. Brad Powers is with us. I saw you tweeted out that the coaches' poll is out. We've got updated information on Wake. We'll get to that. But you talked about overrated teams compared to your power ratings. First of all, the Houston Cougars. Yeah, I just don't think they're a top 25 team. In fact, I don't even have Houston in my top 40 now. Uh, with that being said, uh, I, I still think they're obviously one of the three teams to beat in the AAC along with Cincinnati and UCF. I think they can win nine or ten games this year. But, uh, again, my, uh, my overrated, underrated uh, analysis was comparison to my power ratings, not necessarily an AP poll-type vote, how many games a team's going to win. Overrated, Baylor. Yeah, I like Dave Aranda a lot, but obviously Baylor's coming off an historically great season for them. That They finished as high as they've ever had in the AP poll, fresh off that Sugar Bowl win. He's done a decent job uh, at the line of scrimmage offense and defensive lines, but you know, wide receiver, I think they fall a little bit short. I think Baylor's more like an 8-4 type of team this year. Quarterback injury now with Wake Forest, but you did have them as uh, overrated uh, even before that news, I think. Yeah, so I already bet Wake Forest under their season win tour. Willie Hill had a nine earlier this summer, and even at eight and a half, I was leaning towards going the under there for Wake. But uh, obviously with the Sam Hartman news, whether he misses four games, six games, or the whole season, I mean, he got to downgrade them significantly. Sam Hartman, in my opinion, was a top ten most valuable player in college football as far as to a point spread. So I downgraded Wake six points. It's unfortunate uh, that they don't play like an FBS team in week one. With that line being out, I, I would have certainly taken advantage of that fading wake. So when the news came down for Hartman, my my curiosity got peaked actually with Vanderbilt because they're on the schedule there, the early part of their non-conference slate. It's it's Hawaii. Um, I'm forgetting the other. You know, it's not a it's not a Division One pro- program that they're playing. Uh, Northern Illinois and Wake Forest is part of their first four games. Their win total you can find still a two. Does that when you look at Vandy's schedule now with Hartman not on the schedule, does that become an option in terms of going over their win total? Uh, even without Sam Hartman, Wake Forest can be a double digit favorite over Vanderbilt. Yeah. Okay. I, I I don't think that's a great bet. I mean, I I don't think they're a slam dunk. Even they're about a touchdown favorite against Hawaii. I bet Vanderbilt in that game. That's not a slam dunk. Elon is that yeah. FCS opponent. They're, it's not like they're going to be a four-touchdown favorite in that game. And they lost uh, an FCS team and got destroyed by an FCS team a year ago. They'll be an underdog at Northern Illinois and then obviously a double-digit underdog in the NBA game. No, I'm not running the window to bet Vandy over two even uh, with them playing Wake Forest. Uh, underrated teams, uh, you have some like in your power ratings for Tennessee. Well, I do. I mean, I bet I, I probably have as many pro Tennessee tickets as any team in the country, whether it's season win total, what's FCC future, whether it's the Heisman future on Hendon Hooker. I'm pretty high on the Volunteers. I thought they overachieved a year ago. They actually stunned me because I thought Josh Heupel inherited a very bad situation. The fact that they had one of the best offenses in the country and that they're going to be even better this year. On uh, defense, they just got to find a way to make a stop or two. And if they do that, then 
I think they're clear-cut the second-best team in the SEC East behind Georgia. And it's weird to hear that uh, Penn State could be underrated, you know, such a, a legendary program, a respected program, but you have Penn State as underrated. A uh, couple of questions. Is Penn State better on the offensive line because they have to be, and do they have some weapons at running back? Well, they have some weapons at running back. You're right. The major question is offensive line. They were abysmal uh, there last year. I think they'll be a little bit better. And keep in mind, you know, it's not like I'm a big James Franklin fan, but the fact that they're not in a top 25 preseason poll when they're in the top 15 of my preseason power ratings, that that's the definition of being underrated. Two week zero games. Is Illinois ready to come out in week zero and blow away Wyoming laying 10? I'd rather bet the under in that one. We've seen a little bit of money come in on the under. I'm not big on laying double digits with, with two teams that are going to run the football. Uh, considerably two very conservative type of style coaches uh, under 44 would be the preference there. I think Wyoming's going to be really bad this year. I bet Wyoming under their season wins total. Let's close on this. Uh, we're going to have the UNLV Athletic Director Eric Harper on in just a little bit, talk some football, also talk about their new TV deal. Uh, he'll be very happy to hear that you have re-upped your season tickets for UNLV. Well, I think it's really for the for this, the stadium because you really like Allegiant Stadium and you can get great seats. <laughs> yeah. but, uh you got season tickets, but you did. You were quick to mention uh, you are down the middle when it comes to the Rebels because you uh, you bet Idaho State when you could get plus twenty five. I did, uh, th- thanks to Tony Milliner and the Golden Nugget posting all those UNLV games. I bet against UNLV in almost every game that he posted. So look at you. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a season ticket holder, but I, I keep it. You know, I, I'm not necessarily a rah rah fan. I, I I'm always a fan to my pocketbook, and obviously the Rebs. Aren't, aren't one of the best when it comes to covering point spreads or going overseas and winning. Brad's college football stadium road trip has so much material. We're going to be using this for like four weeks. Uh, last week we talked about a bunch of the stops. We didn't get to mention you wow. You saw issues at Texas A&M where you couldn't get out of a garage and there were guys fighting. But then you also had a run-in outside of El Paso with the Border Patrol. Yeah, so Texas was very interesting. I mean, it should be when you're driving, you know, the long part of Texas, you know, west to east, and it's 900 miles on Interstate 10. Uh, you, you should see a few things. Number one, outside of El Paso, I didn't even know it was possible on a U.S. highway. I'm not talking you're heading into Mexico or you're coming from Mexico. Literally, Border Patrol's there. They ask for documents. I'm like, documents? I got my driver's license. I don't have a, a passport on me. I'm traveling, you know, in the States here. I mean, they had uh, automatic weapons. The canine unit was there. It's like 9 o'clock at night, and they're stopping trucks and everybody. So that was interesting. And then to wrap it up in College Station, I'm stuck in a parking garage. Some event just ended. People, everyone's stuck, and there's hundreds of cars. Two guys get out and start a fisticuffs, so that was interesting also. Brad, you are the man. I'm glad you got back safe. I'm glad you had a great time. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. There he is, Brad Powers. His VIP pack is up right now. You can get the entire season for less than 100 bucks. He uh, emails out daily. He's got uh, his weekly newsletter as well. Check it out. BradPowerSports.com.